0: came back from Colorado this past week, if you didn't know that surprise. Um, we were there to speak for the pastoral installation for uh, Brother Evangelist Ryan Neer, who's no longer an evangelist. He's the pastor there, and his wife, sister Melanie Neer. They previously had based out of this church, and so we decided to stay a little bit longer. I just had to share this. Isn't a beautiful picture? This, that's a Bear Creek. It's in the Rocky Mountain National Park, just a Gorgeous, gorgeous, it looks like a fake background, it's not, it's real. And so uh, we decided to stay a bit longer and make a vacation out of it just because we were going there to preach for the Nears and minister and I started to look around the area and I was like, there is so much to do in Colorado. Anybody been to Colorado? Wow, so I was missing out and y'all just didn't tell me. (laughs) There's a lot of people, I didn't expect that many. So we took our travel trailer and connected it to my truck and pulled it over to Colorado. Our family took a a road trip. Along the way, I contemplated and learned a few things. And so things that as I was driving, I was thinking about the spiritual application. My my daughter should be like, Dad, are you going to preach to us again? Like, I'll be like, look at that. And I'll just drop little nuggets that I think are wisdom, but she probably doesn't always. But tonight, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. Now, I didn't. I didn't invite you here to just show you family photos from our vacation. I know your time is more valuable than that. Um, but I want to kind of tie in some of the spiritual applications. This is Principles for Life. So things that we learn along life's journey. And so... Tonight's title is Life Lessons from a Road Trip. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for biblical principles. Thank you for the incredible people of God that we all get to be a part of. Oh, we might not always agree with one another, might not always think the same thoughts, but th- we're, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and it's such a great opportunity to do life together, walk this journey together, and God help us in your word to come alive today as I just share these principles and something will just stick with us. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I got to give you a disclaimer. How's that for the beginning of the message? Before I begin to share some of the lessons that I learned, I fully understand That you might disagree with me. Now, when I'm preaching the word, when I'm like, go to Matthew chapter 6, like, you can't disagree with that. That's, That's scripture. But when I say, hey, my thought on a vacation is this. Like, you could be like, you are crazy. That is terrible, and I want nothing to do with that, okay? And so... Uh, I, that's the disclaimer. You can feel free to disagree. Um, how many of you have ever taken multiple children under the age of 18 on a road trip and drove more than four hours to a destination? Raise your hand up high. Take a look around. All right, everybody who has their hands up, therapy's over here. You can move to the front corner. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm teasing. Um, we don't want to scare the people who haven't done that yet. Uh, So, you know, some of the joys, you didn't raise your hand. You can totally understand, obviously, what some of the joys and challenges would be. How many of you haven't taken one, but you were on one when you were a kid? (laughs) You know, because you were probably the good one and your sibling was the annoying one, I'm sure, right? Andrew and Abigail don't look at each other, all right? (laughs) Um, Tonight, I narrowed the list down. I could have went on and on, but I already, I'm already, I got too many things, so I need to get at this. But I narrowed the list down to just nine things, nine things that I learned on a family, family road trip. I even put a, a slides up so that if you want to take notes, you can take notes. Because this is not going to be like, hey, go see Rocky Mountain National Park. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But thing number one is don't get stuck in the rut of the same. Huh. Anyone ever taken a trip to a destination? And you loved that place, that you have gone back to that place many, multiple times. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Because then you're going to feel like I'm attacking you and I'm not. Because I've done it too. Like growing up, I went to Disney World like six times. Okay? Great place. Fun place. For the kids. And so if you like to do that, you have every right to do that you are in the United States of America, and you can go back to the Grand Canyon 17 times in a row if you want to. Don't let anybody tell you different, but I'm going to tell you different just for a minute. I'm going to offer a suggestion, and that is go see the world. Think about some of the things you can see just in this incredible country. Mountains to climb or view wildlife, works of Art and rocks are on canvas. Some of the greatest culinary destinations to eat amazing food. And this app called Yelp that actually tells you where thousands of people have been and said that one's good. Instead of just being like, let's go to that place. Because some of the best places look like dumps. Theme parks across the nation. Oceans and beaches. Golf courses. Historical buildings and bridges. National parks. Experiences such as skydiving, deep sea diving, or zip lining. Am I speaking anyone's language with that? There's only four people that would skydive, zipline, or five. Okay, okay. I just want to know. Raise your hand if you're going to skydive with me someday. I've done it once. My wife said I can't go again because my life insurance does not cover it. And I'm not smiling. I totally would. That is literally the only reason I won't go again. So when the kids get older... Hit me up, we'll go, okay? Um, places to ski or snowboard, places to water ski, jet ski, trails to hike, scenic highways to drive, the list goes on and on. And sometimes we as Christians, we can get this same way where it's like, well, yeah, but... I I've to the Grand Canyon 17 times. I went to Disney World 13. I went to, like, we can get in this mindset. We get used to services at the same time. It starts at the same time. It ends at the same time. We see the same people. We sing the same amount of songs. We hear the same preachers. And Lord, I mean, we even sit in the same seats. I mean, right now, if I was like, all right, everybody just... Get you go to this section. You guys go back there. You got, like, I don't know if y'all be able to like follow me the rest of the message. But what's going on over here? We go to this. Many times we even go to the same spot at the altar. Talk to the same people. Give the same amount of time and resources. And when something changes, we freak out just a little bit. We get used to just going hiking, going to Disney World, going to the ocean, seeing the Grand Canyon. I haven't gotten to the Grand Canyon yet. That's on my mind, you can tell, because I'm going. That's like one of the upcoming trips. But make sure you remain flexible. God tells us in his word things like, sing a new song. I'm going to do a new work. I'm going to give you a new heart. Behold, all things become new. I guess I just feel like I serve this God who's kind of into, like, the same doctrine, and I'm the same yesterday and today and forever, but yet he's into new experiences. I just can't imagine that Jesus would be like, hey, Jesus, all right, we're the disciples. It's time for vacation. Two weeks. Remember every year, Jesus said we go on a two-week vacation, and he just goes back to the same place every single time. I don't picture him being like that. Again, you might say, I do. Well, that's fine. Let's not, let's not argue about it. You, you can hold your belief. i hold mine. But I don't want to just get used to doing everything the same all the time and never embrace change. Blessed are the flexible. They don't get, up, they don't get bent out of shape. We're experiencing a ton of change around Refuge Church. And it's just the beginning. I mean, we have a new logo, new children's ministry directors, a new building here in the next couple of years. We're going to start sharing space probably in January, and that's going to present a whole set of new circumstances. And there are going to be more new things to come. And guess what? It's not all going to be like, this was so awesome. I love this new thing. There's going to be some of the new things. You're going to get into a new building, and I guarantee you, you, there's going to be something about that building. You're going to be like, why'd they do that? I'm going to help design the building, and I'm going to walk in and go, why'd I do that? Because it's not like I've built 17 churches in my life. And so we're going to experience new things. and, And, you know, Don't allow yourself to get stuck in the same. My family and I had never been to Colorado. I can't tell you how many times we're riding somewhere. My kids be like, Well, what's that going to be like? Well, how long is that going to take? I'm like, Guys, I have no idea. And I led us on some great excursions. It was pretty fun. But I led us on this one that was a cog railway that took an hour and a half up to the mountain and an hour and a half down to the mountain. You ever want to just ride in a small train car where you have to wear a mask a six, an hour and a half up, hour and a half down with your six-year-old? And they're like, what are we doing? Why is this moving so slow? <laughs> so it became the joke the rest of the trip. I was like, did you guys want to go back and do that or go back to the Cog Railway? And they're like, no. So, like, we, we struck out a couple times. We didn't fully know what to expect, but I intentionally... Mix up my, my family's experiences. We have stayed in an Airbnb on the side of a mountain with no air conditioning. We've stayed in a five-star hotel. We've stayed in, at a campsite with our small travel trailer. I intentionally want my kids just, I want to I I experience things. We've dressed up for events and went to nice steak dinners. We've also worn active wear for a week at a time and might, maybe didn't change that many times. And ate cereal for dinner some nights. I think this attitude is important with the church as we move forward. There's been some changes, more changes are happening, and more changes are on the horizon. Don't get stuck in the rut of the same. Be flexible. Second thing, you go on vacation. There is a. There's a cost. I don't know, unless you're an incredible salesperson and you have won yourself some vacations, which my dad did growing up. He, like, won us a trip to London and Florida once, and I haven't won a trip. If you don't win a trip, there's a cost. I know there are some people who make snide remarks, you know, like, oh, yeah, must be nice to do that. Must be nice to be the pastor and have that kind of money. Like, hey, we're well compensated, but I'm not rich. (laughs) You have to plan. You have to save. And uh, there's always a cost to anything worthwhile in life. Having a baby, there's a cost. Just ask the mama that gave birth. Or is pregnant, starting to dream about the day that she can give birth because she's like, even though that might be miserable, this is starting to feel miserable. Going to college, getting a master's degree, a doctorate, exercising, getting physically fit, buying a house, going on vacation, there's a cost. Our family puts money in a vacation fund every single month. So we just got to this vacation. Next month's budget, we don't even know where we're going, but we're starting to put our money in there. Because two weeks every year, we are going somewhere where we probably have never been to have another family experience. And so um, every excursion, souvenir, meal, place to lay our head, it all costs something. It takes planning and preparing for the journey. There's always a cost involved. And I think about Jesus when he says, hey, if you're going to follow me, my burden is easy. But take up the cross. And it's like you read this and you go, well, it doesn't sound like it's always simple. It says take up your cross and follow me. Like that sounds like there's, there's, there's a burden to carry there. There's a cost that comes with. I'm going I'm to live for you, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk your way. And it's not always easy. You live in a world that sometimes truth is the new hate speech. And so you just have to know, okay, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And I'm going to stand tall for this, but there's, it's not always going to be easy. There's a cost for serving Jesus Christ. It's worth it, but there is a cost involved. Number three, things never go exactly as planned. Who's the planner? Who who here? You are the one in your family that plans your vacation. Like you are the one that is planning the details. Raise your hand if you are the one that plans the vacation. Okay? Okay. Yes. All right. Any of you that raise your hand that when you plan something and it does not work out does that kind of frustrate you every once in a while? All right. Kudos to the planners who plan and don't get frustrated. That's that is awesome. That is that is awesome. As many of you can imagine, I'm the planner. I absolutely get my wife's input. Um, For instance, I took us on a trip on the West Coast when we took the long trip after our 10-year anniversary, went three, three and a half weeks on the West Coast. And I wanted to see everything on the West Coast. Because to me, I'm like, why are we going to sleep? We can sleep at home. Now is not the time (laughs) to sleep. Like, why am I going? Well, let's go back to the house and rest. Why? We haven't seen this place well, yes, but we have kids, and they're wearing down. I'll tell them to bucket it up. Like, what's the, what's the deal, you know? And so I want to go. And, uh, and, but my wife, she's got her finger on the pulse of the family, and so she does well. So this time I said, how about this? How, oh, that's too many, just one a day, okay? All right, so we didn't get to do a couple things in Colorado, which I'm still trying to get over. But uh, but she said I did better. And so I asked her, you know, hey, what do you think? So I had our vacation planned out. I look up blogs, websites of what to do in the area. Like, I find what, what to do with small children, what's the best places to eat, reviews for lodging. I never just say we're staying there, it looked nice on the picture. Like, no, what, if 3,473 people give it five stars, that's awesome. Let's go there. But if it's... a night, and it's two stars. I'm like, there ain't no way. I don't care what they charge. I ain't staying there. Everybody says it's junk. So I'll read reviews. I'll look at famous restaurants in the area, and not even just expensive stuff. Like, hey, this is a great place to get custard or ice cream, you know? So I love when things work out exactly the way that I planned them. Love it. But it never happens. Not for a whole trip. Maybe like one excursion just this trip alone, this trip alone. We hit construction on the way out. The first night, Anybody ever pull a trailer or, or trailer, travel trailer, anything like that? Just a couple of you. So, you. so you put your trailer, you get in reverse, which I've gotten good at that part. So, like, that doesn't stress me. But it's nighttime, sun setting. We get our trailer all set up. You have to disconnect it. There's, like, a sway bar hitch. Disconnect it from the truck. Put the gooseneck down, you know, not the gooseneck, the trailer hitch. Uh, the, you got to put the stabilizer jacks. You connect your water, your sewer. You connect your, uh, your uh, what am I forgetting? Sure. Electricity, thank you You collect all that So we got it all hooked up And for me, for some reason I pull my hose out To go connect the water <laughs> Normally, normally You got, it's all kind of right here This place for some reason Had it here, here And the water Was right here It's, it's nighttime, it's dark We had to bring up the stabilizer jacks, put in electric, put in the slide. We had to disconnect all the sewer. We had to hook it back to the truck because I'm not I can't lift five thousand pounds and slide it backwards. So we had to do all that in the dark, trying to find everything. I actually feel my blood pressure rising just talking <laughs> about it. I was slightly perturbed. Didn't work out. One of the excursions, I, I, I was detailed. I, I read everything. And so one of the excursions, we had to get up early in the morning. It was an hour away. The night before, I'd look at what we were doing the next day. Here's the time we have to wake up. This particular night, Jackie, the kids were really tired. And I was like, hey, guys, I got news for you. And I was like, oh, no. I accidentally booked us on a little whitewater trip, rafting trip, that I, I, I put in. When I was planning the trip, I put in the corporate office, not the launch site. So instead of like 45 minutes drive, it was t- just over two hours drive each way. Couldn't cancel at that point. Oh, yeah, so that didn't, that didn't work out. Then we, we, we decided, we usually will splurge on one thing. So we decided we we're going to splurge and, and take our first ever once in a lifetime opportunity to take a hot air balloon ride over the Rocky Mountains. It sounded exciting. They called me the day before and said we got smoke in the area, visibility's low. Your, your balloon ride is canceled. So I'm going to try and hit it over the, over the, uh, over the um, Grand Canyon. Thank you. Yes. So then we get, we're driving here. We get four hours from home. It's been like 75 in Colorado. This is beautiful. You don't even need AC. Half the time we had our windows down. But now we're coming back into the Great Plains. <laughs> it's 95 and humid and my air conditioning in my truck stops working four hours from home. So then I took my truck straight to the Chevy dealership, and they texted me this picture and asked me where my radio was. I just had a radio put in two months ago that has CarPlay so I can pull the trailer safely and stuff like that. So on their lot, they're texting me where my radio is, and it was broken into on their lot. So now I'm still dealing with this and trying to figure this out, and they want me to pay for it. So, it was a great trip, but not exactly the way I planned it to go. We all have plans, right? You have plans for your day, your walk with God, your ministry. You have plans for things. and We sometimes will tell God what our plans are. And as you journey with Christ and walk with him, it's a journey that is based on faith. Not always evidence. Faith is your evidence as a Christian. And so as you're journeying, you're doing things, you're, you're, you're taking steps sometimes where you're going, hey, uh, the lepers were healed as they went. Peter didn't have, he, he walked out. Here we go. Wow, I can do this. Like, silver and gold, have I none? Hey, let's see what happens. Like, you're, you're doing things that are based on faith. But your plan sometimes tomorrow, what you have planned doesn't go the way that you intended it to go. And if we cannot walk by faith and learn to trust the one that holds tomorrow, you're going to have a miserable Christian existence. You will be miserable if you always have to know God, what do you have planned? God, where are you taking me? What's the job? What house? What, how much, what ministry position should I set up? What piece of land should we go to? Like, we had no idea. But you just go, hey, we're going to keep digging. We're going to keep plugging away. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep doing this. And God, hey, at some point, you're going to give us awesome children's ministry directors, even though we didn't know who that was four months ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, he, he just, he's got things. He's got your life. He's got the church. He's not stressed. So we have to learn to walk knowing like I have a plan, but man, sometimes my plan ain't going to work out. And you know what? Sometimes it's great that it doesn't. Amen. He takes us on a detour every once in a while. And speaking of that, directions are a necessity. I've heard some funny stories about men being stubborn. And not asking for directions. Don't, don't look at your spouse. Don't smile. Don't smirk. Don't snicker. But do men still do this today with all of the navigation stuff? Like, do men still do this? Okay, a couple of people, I guess. To me, you got navigation in cars. There is all this navigation on smartphones. With all that, I will still often use navigation to places even when I know how to get there. Reason being, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, how to get to Refuge Church from my house, <laughs> But I'm talking about, like, if I'm somewhere, and I know I could get to Nebraska Furniture Mart from downtown, I will still put it in my GPS because I've been saved a couple of times. I, I've been to St. Louis so many times now since I've been here for various reasons with the district, and, like, I, I feel at times that I could drive 70 east with my eyes closed and almost get there, okay? It's, it's been so many times. But I will still put it my GPS. One time, and this has happened more than once, I was driving, all of a sudden it says get off in, in uh, Odessa. And I'm like, what? Why am I getting off in Odessa? But I'm like, hey, I'm the type of person that if Google, if I'm along the, uh, the, the Pacific Coast Highway and on the west coast of California, just like turn right into the Pacific Ocean, I'm like, well, Google knows a shortcut. We're going, you know? <laughs> like, That's my brain. That's the way I'm thinking. I trust technology probably a little too much. And so so it says, get off in Odessa. So I get off in Odessa, and I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm just feeling weird going through this town. And all of a sudden, it says, take a side road. And then all of a sudden, I jump on the freeway, and I look back, and there's just this massive line of cars because of an accident. And I'm like, it's a Google testimony. (laughs) Your mind will tell you things like, I know the way. I've driven this way a million times. I don't need any help. I can just look at the stars and and figure my way out, right? And this happens in churches sometimes. Uh, Today I'm going to preach about the end times. Yeah. Signs of the times. Chad Matthew, what are the signs of the times? He gives them the signs of the times. Yeah, heard this one before. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Today I'm going to preach about worship. Yet yeah, we're supposed to worship God's good. Must must be a little dead here. He's got to rile us up a little bit. And get get going on worship. Up, it's a message on giving. Uh oh, campaign was a little short. We must need money for the building. Here we go, like, like this is our thinking. That oh, I, I've 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 heard this sermon a million times, and the temptation is real because God gives us His word to be our navigation. And I am of the opinion that I am able to serve a group of people who are very intelligent, gifted people. who have, Some of you have been in church longer than I've been alive, okay? And so, I'm not going to be able to say that much longer. But I realistically know that for the majority of you, I am never going to stand in this pulpit and preach something that you've never heard at least once in your life. I mean, there'll be, a, there'll be an unction of the Holy Ghost, an anointing that'll come upon me, and you'll hear it in a different way, but chances are a large majority of you, I'm going to preach things in the Bible. You've read the whole Bible through. You, many of you have been raised in church. Some of you have ministered yourself. So, like, I'm not going to get up and be like, oh, hey, today's Easter. I'm going to talk to you about the resurrection. You're like, what? When did Jesus rise again? Like, you know that. So, we can be tempted to go, heard this message, kind of check out. I don't need to come to church this weekend. The Bible I haven't read in a while, but I've already read it a few times. It's a good book. I've read it, but I'll just, I'll get to it when I need something. For now, I know the path I'm on and I know how to get there. If I hit a hard time in my life, then I'll grab the navigation and I'll look for answers then. But for now, I'm good and we can go through life like that but the bible says it's a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path i don't think he didn't name it navigation because a it wasn't around back then but i also think people are saying right now it's such dark times the darkness and well he's not just saying i want to lead you but he's saying my word is a lamp and it's a light and so you're trying to navigate life in a, in a lot of dark places in this world. You, as much as you think you know the, the path and where it heads, you've got to have navigation. And that's his word. Guess what? That lamp and light will often lead you on some crazy roads. Number five is be ready for hills, valleys, and plains. When we left Missouri and headed toward Colorado, guess what state we came through? Kansas. (laughs) When you get into Kansas, it is so amazing. You can see, you can see, you can see lots, they call it the Great Plains area, right? I mean, like, you can just see. My kids—they don't find them funny. They don't—they they, don't—they they don't like my messages sometimes on vacation. And so, one of them will go, "I'm hungry," and I'm driving, and I'm like, "All right, do you want to stop there or there?" <laughs> well, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, "Fine, I'll pull over. Do you want to stop there or there?" And as far as you can see. For uh, hours, it's just windmills. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah I'm that. Kansas is flat. There's not a lot of times, not a, not, not, not a lot to see. And so, but then we crossed into Colorado and started an ascent into higher elevation. At one point in the ascent, my truck, another thing that's unplanned, my truck was at one point was getting four and a half miles a gallon. Pulling my trailer. (laughs) Tried to tell my wife, let's just grab a diesel. We'll drive it home. She didn't have it. But I actually started looking into the cost of diesel trucks. And and, and like I said, she hasn't hasn't approved that. But on our way home, gas mileage improved substantially because we were able to coast a little more because it was elevation was going down. My point is, on your journey, you're going to go through ascents, descents, and Great Plains. You're going to go through times where you have your pedal to the metal and that RPMs are going to, and you're checking the gauges. Am I overheating? And you got to pay attention to how, how hard you're pushing for how long because you can burn some things out. And you're, and you're spinning your wheels, and you're going, am I making any progress? Am I ever gonna get there? And then there's times where you're just like, it's the Great Plains, it's Kansas. There's a wind, there's a windmill, there's a windmill, there's a windmill, and you're just like, we're just coasting. There's not, we're not, it's not struggling. It's not easy. It's just, we just come into the church, finding our same seat, going to our same place in the altar, talking to the same people, serving in the same ministry, giving the same amount. Pastor preaches about hanging on and God's good. And he'll get you through And you're like, I'm fine. I'm in the great plains. And then there's times where you're descending. You're like, man, I'm getting 24 miles a gallon. I'm toasting. They're talking about Christianity being tough. Walking with the... I, I, it's actually easy right now. And as you walk with God, there's plains. There's a sense. There's dissents. And one wise person gave me this knowledge, and I'll never forget it. Here's a key, a great key to living for God. If you're going to write anything down and type it, this is a good thing to type. Here's the key. Don't all jump at once. Here's the key. Never let your highs get too high. And never let your lows get too low. I've met a lot of people in living for God. I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old met a lot of people through the years that they came in and they're like, "Wow!" and they're ding, 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 like, and then they're gone in a few weeks. And the Bible talks about the four types of ground. And I meet other people who they're slow and you're like, are you in there? Can you hear what I'm saying? Not all of them stay, but some get good, strong, deep root systems. People who come to church and they sit here for three years before they ever make a stand for God or get baptized, that, they don't scare me. I look at it going, wow, their root system's just growing before you start to see the fruit. And so just know, never let your highs get too high. Never let your lows get too low. Just be steady, consistent. In your walk with God, there's going to be times it's all different. Don't be afraid of the mountains. Just prepare for them. And know that the experience and the views from the mountaintops will be worth it. Six, enjoy memorable landmarks along the way. My wife and I have already been on some incredible memories together. In my short 40 years, I just was like, where, where are some landmarks that I see? And I just, off the top of my head... I didn't go through photo books and scrapbooks and all that stuff. I just, I just wrote down off the top of my head some of the things that I've, I've been blessed to see. Big Bend in England, Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey, the Rose Garden of Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, Brooklyn Bridge in New York City, Alcatraz, the White House, Lincoln and Jefferson Memorials, the Arch in St. Louis, Union Station, a World War One museum, Sears Tower, now Willis Tower in Chicago, the Space Needle in Seattle, Pikes Place Market in Seattle, the Redwoods of California, the Kentucky Derby, Valley Forge, Mall of America, Niagara Falls, Mount Rushmore, the Rocky Mountains, Smoky Mountains, the Badlands, Times Square as the ball dropped on New Year's Eve, Disney World and Disneyland, Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, the Caribbean Sea, Biblical History, where's Chad when I need him, in Israel, including the Sea of Galilee, Tomb of Jesus, Golgotha, Temple Mountain, Walking, and the Wailing Wall of Jerusalem, the Great Lakes, various football stadiums, Dealey Plaza and the Book Depository in Dallas where JFK was shot and killed, Empire State Building, 9-11 Memorial, and that's just what I could think of off the top of my head. And each of these things are memories of things I've experienced or saw. And it wasn't just seeing it, but it was the memory, memory associated with it. I don't care about the ball dropping in New York City, but I asked my wife to marry me in New York City as the ball dropped on Times Square. The first trip with our children, my first football game, an important historical event in our country, a place where the Bible came to life. These are landmarks, not only to a nation, but now to me and to my family. And when you read the Bible, you will read about how they did things like build altars, bring stones, put it on a pile that it would be a memorial for the upcoming generations I think I have a picture of an altar. God said things like, leave that standing as a memorial to the next generation. So then your kids would come along and be like, what's the pile of rocks? I'll tell you. What's this place in New York City? Oh, guys, I'll never forget New York City. Me and mom came in with our friend through the side, and I'll just start telling the story. I don't even care if they want to hear the story. I'm going to tell it to them. I'm a preacher. I'm good at telling people stories even if they don't want to hear it, okay? And God would say things like, leave that standing as a memorial. And we see this with landmarks around our nation today. Why do you have stone that's Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson? Or Why do you have the Mount Rushmore with four faces on the side of a mountain? I mean, what's the deal? It's not just a work of art, but it tells a story about us. In our spiritual lives, there are things like these. Some of you, any of you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit at this altar? Raise your hand. Look around. You got the Holy Ghost right at this altar. How many of you could take me to the exact spot that you got it right here? I'm not going to ask you to do it. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. So some of you could literally take me up and you could say, right, I remember when we went back to Wisconsin and we to, I, I made my kids, I said, you're gonna walk through this church. This is where dad was raised. This is the, first, this is the pulpit. I first preached my first message in youth service there in uh, chapel for the high school. This right here. And I remember we walked into Sanctuary 2, which is now a children's ministry wing. And I sat down and I said, guys, come here, sit by me right here. And they all got around me. And I said, this right here. Is right where dad came up as a seven-year-old at the end of a children's church service at Lighthouse Children's Church. And I spoke in tongues and I received the Holy Ghost right here. And I had tears in my eyes. I was telling my kids, I said, this is where dad, dad you talk about ministry a walk with God. This is where it started for me as I was filled with his spirit as a seven-year-old at this spot in the altar. And so it's, it's a landmark and that's why for some of you I fully understand when we go to a new building you're on board you're like yeah let's go to a new building but there's going to be a service where we have a grieving time because even though you move forward this will always be a landmark you'll have great grandchildren that you'll drive by this building and say you guys see before we had our third church from now I'm uh, I'm I'm dead serious before we had our third location that right there. Is where is where great grandma, great grandpa. That's where that's where we got the Holy Ghost. That's where we got That's where we were married. That's that's right there is the place where I first got my license. I started serving in ministry. That's where I first started teaching kids. That's where I first started singing on a praise team. I look at these kids, these young people that are up here now leading worship, and and Abigail. Oh yeah, the first time she led worship was was just this year, right? And up here in the sanctuary. And someday she's gonna be married with kids, and we're gonna be three locations from now. Maybe she'll be on the pastoral staff, and she's. He's gonna say, "I'm never gonna forget. I'm never gonna forget that building. The first time that I led worship in that pulpit on that night." Because it's a landmark, and so there, you got you to gotta understand there's landmarks along the way, and these should be stories and places that you take. Your, I remember taking Kiera to Topeka, Kansas, where in 1901, there was a turn of the century, and people were starting to get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and it was a restoration of what we read in the book of Acts. And I said, hey, this is Stone's Folly. It might not be the same building, but this was the location where that started. And she kind of stood there, and I told her the story because I want her to know our history, and and I connected that to my infilling, and so make sure that the landmarks your family is is knowing and you're taking your kids to is not just Giha Stadium at, at Arrowhead, okay? Make sure it's not just the K, okay? Like, make sure that there are landmarks in your life that you say, that, I'll never forget. Remember when we as a family prayed for that person and they were healed? Remember when you received the gift of the Spirit? Remember when you were washed in the blood and the name of Jesus was called over your life? There should be landmarks in our homes, too. Remember when we had a small group and someone was healed? Remember when somebody came in and began to weep as they felt the power and presence of God in our living room? Because ultimately, you want to make sure your kids are ready for the journey. Which brings me to my next point, seven. Take someone with you. I know some of you are either single, your kids are grown, your spouse has passed, and we will all get there at some point if the Lord tarries. But I'm of the opinion, again, you can choose to disagree, that vacations are more fun when they're shared with someone. On our trip last week, we were driving through the Rocky Mountains, and this lady had a tripod that was in traffic, and we're like, what is this woman doing? And she's setting up her tripod, and she's running over by the mountains. She's like, and I realized there's no, she's by herself. She's in this car by herself, and no one's there. And she might have been having the time of her life, but for me, I felt bad. I'm like, oh, because me, I'm like, I want to share this experience with someone. I think about this amazing journey of faith we're on, way more exciting than Mount Rushmore or Rocky Mountains. We've been been given new hope. Our sins have been washed away, filled with his spirit. God's empowered us. He has this eternal place called heaven for us. But I don't want to make that journey alone. Jesus looked at a group of disciples and he commissioned them. He said, go, teach the whole world. Go make disciples. in the New Testament church exploded with growth because they realized that they were not on vacation just by themselves. They realized we're here. We're headed to an, a great destination. But Jesus told me I'm not supposed to go to that destination alone. I'm going to a great place. I can't wait to get there. I got my, I got my navigation here. I got the word, the lamp into my feet, the light into my path. I know where I'm going, but I don't dare try to go by myself. I've got to get someone to come with me. We have to find a way, Refuge Church, to invite more people to small groups and into this building. We've, we've got, me too, we've got to do a better job of inviting people to come on this journey with us. A thing that I learned is you get used only two left. You get used to the view after a while. One of the reasons we stop looking outward, at least in my opinion, is because we kind of forget how incredible it was when our sins were washed away. We get so used to feeling his incredible presence and power, and when we first got to Colorado, my kids were like, oh my goodness, dad, look. And they're just like, Colorado Springs, mountains everywhere. You don't have to go up to Estes Park or Rocky Mountain National Park. There's just mountains. We walked out of the, I was trying to set up the trailer in the nearest parking lot. And I somehow missed in the midst of trying to back up the trailer, get it all set up. That time I didn't need multiple tries. I got it on the first try. And I got out and I walked, walking to their church and the mountains were just in the, I was like, you guys have mountains as you leave your building. Just look at mountains. This is beautiful. When we first pulled in, the kids were taking pictures. They're like, look, dad, the mountains is gorgeous. Even Titus, everybody's just loving it. Guess what? By day three, maybe two, they were asking for electronics, complaining about being in the car and asking me what we're doing next and how long it takes to get there. They had just gotten used to the view. And it happened so fast. Like, this is incredible. I want to tell all my friends. I can't believe it just experiences. God is so good. He did this for me. It's amazing. He blessed me. gave me a new job, a raise, a car, a house. God did this. He, he washed away my sins. He he, he he called me into ministry. He anointed me when I first sang that song, taught that lesson to the kids, all this, and then we're, if we're not careful, man, I gotta teach the kids again. I'm on for praise team again. I'm up in the booth. Oh, my because we get used to the view because the mountains were so mountainous. They were so gorgeous. I'd never seen anything like it. it. excited me. And then just really wore off really fast. We have to guard our hearts to make sure that we don't take it for granted. Something that you can just touch or look at any time you want to. We humans take, tend to take it for granted. This is why marriages can struggle. People aren't quite as powerful as they could be for God, because every single time we come into a church service, God meets us here. Right now, we could just stop. If somebody stood up and said, I need prayer right now, the doctors just told me something, there'd be tears in here, we'd lay hands, get oil, and God would move. God, he could heal and set free and deliver. He could raise the dead, heal the sick, open blind eyes. Like, it could happen right now. We don't have to go through the sacrificial atonement and killing an animal and pouring blood on a mercy. Like, God could do it instantly right here right now and so every time we come to a service or a prayer meeting lives can be changed we we're, we're just like man I mean anytime we want if you said if you walked into the church and say, I'm going to touch Jesus tonight I'm going to walk through those doors I don't care what's happened prior to this moment I am going to receive a touch from God I guarantee you nothing would stand in your way you'd, you'd find an altar you'd be pr- praying and crying and you'd be touching God and it'd be amazing but it's totally up to what you decide to do But what happens is we get used to the beautiful mountain view. We've seen the beauty so long that if we're not careful, it, loses, it, it doesn't lose its beauty, but it becomes ordinary to us. What God did for you in the first day you came to an altar is it, it's, it, it should be more powerful, but it's no different. He's just as powerful then as he is today. But somewhere along the journey, he became just more ordinary because we felt that a ton of times. Now, that first day was amazing, but now I feel it all the time. Every prayer meeting, every I mean like, yeah, you know, the praise team's awesome. They do a great job. They sound good. The You know, the preaching, yeah, that's average, but sometimes he hits a home run. You know, I mean like that, we, we get used to just, and God, it's not even about the preaching, the music. No, it's about God. And I, I come to an altar and I felt this power. I felt this presence. Today, not so much. So, I mean like we get used to the gorgeous views, and to the experiences. God help us to always see the beauty in what we possess as spirit-filled believers. And the last thing, you made it. No matter where you go or how long you're there, it's still not home. I listed some amazing things that I've seen. I'm blessed. I've gotten to travel a bit and experience some really neat things. I've stayed in some nice places, but I'm always ready to get back to shower in my own shower. My travel trailer, you could put soap on the walls of the shower and just go like this, like. <laughs> and you be clean. To sleep in my own bed, my own pillow set my thermostat to my own temperature, have my own space where my kids have their own rooms. Hallelujah. (laughs) The sights can be amazing, the experiences can be memorable, and the journeys are great. But I'm getting ready to end with a video, music video that I heard on the way home. And I'm tying this vacation into spiritual application. And as I sang, Almost Home, Brother, it won't be long. Soon all my burdens will be gone. I said, man, I'm almost home. And I thought about the spiritual application. One thing we must never forget is it's all part of the journey, but it's not home. Our lives are but a vapor. We are here today and gone tomorrow, but eternity goes forever and ever and ever. And you know, I talked about it on the weekend, and now I'm talking about it again. I just feel like time is short. The things of this world can be so consuming. Consuming. But we must remember that this is a short journey. I've been to New York. I don't live there. I've been to San Francisco. I don't live there. I've been to Denver. I don't live there. I've been to Seattle. I don't live there. I've been to Chicago. I don't live there. I was just passing through those places. Certainly, I enjoyed aspects of them. God does not call you to live a life in the mountains where you don't enjoy anything. I enjoyed those places. Those were memorable. But my time there was limited. It was temporary. I knew I was not home. The journey feels at times tough with tall mountains. It feels long at times, lonely, confused. But just remember, you are almost home. This time, your time on this earth, is not going to be much longer. Like when I'm on vacation, sometimes I read myself about the violence in the news, or and I, and I find myself, just like when I'm on vacation, longing for home. And I start to see what's going on, and I'm going, Jesus, is it, is it almost time yet? Is it almost time to hit the road? That last day, I'm always ready. Come on, let's get going. I hooked up the trailer in the morning. They were still sleeping. I woke them up with my my uh, my wrench and or my uh, my impact gun. And they're like, Ugh. they were still sleeping. I was like, I'm ready to get home. And so as we dim these lights and wrap up this service, I invite you to find a place for hopefully something in these nine lessons I spoke spoke to you. But no matter where you are in your journey, just know the words to this song, you're almost home.
1: Are you disappointed? Are you desperate for help? You know what it's like to be tied and only a shell of yourself. You start to believe don't have what it takes because it's all you can do just to move much less finish the race Of Jesus in us, it's not if, but when, so take joy in the journey. come when our flesh and our bone are no longer between But we are right now and where we
0: They play that again where service is over. I invite you to find it just a place to pray as that song just plays again and think about your journey and where we're headed.